This is The Trip That Changed Me, a podcast about trips that transform. I'm Esme Benjamin, editor of Full Time Travel. I'll be sitting down with entrepreneurs, writers, entertainers, and everyday adventurers to discuss a journey that shifted their mindset, ignited a new calling, expanded their heart, or ushered in a new chapter. My guest, Lillian Rafeson, is the founder of Pack Up and Go, a travel agency which plans three-day trips to destinations around the United States, with one cool point of difference. Each trip is a total surprise. It works like this. You fill out a survey communicating your budget, your interests, where you've been recently, and where you're going soon. Then Pack Up and Go takes care of the rest. A week before departure, you receive packing tips, a weather forecast, and a mailed envelope to be opened the day of your trip. Inside is a card revealing your destination, reservation details, and suggested itinerary. All the components of a great weekend away without any of the planning stress. On today's episode, Lillian shares stories from a solo trip through Eastern Europe, including the moment in Riga, Latvia, where she first heard about the concept of surprise travel agencies. A few months later, she would launch Pack Up and Go, which has now sent over 20,000 travelers to 90 destinations nationwide. So welcome, welcome, Lillian. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'd love to talk a bit about your background. You're raised in Pittsburgh, right? Mm -hmm. And all of your family are entrepreneurs. So how do you think that shaped your expectations of what your career would be like when you grew up? Yeah, when I was growing up, both my mom and my dad owned their own businesses. And they were small businesses. My dad works in radio and my mom owned a promotional product business. So I was always around it. It was never a mystery to me. And I always, my siblings and I laugh because we all remember them bringing their fax machine with us to the beach (laughs) every year. So (laughs) I don't even know what a fax machine looks like. They were big. They were really big and clunky. (laughs) And we always had it with us (laughs) because they were always working. So I remember from a really early age, understanding that when you own your own business, you work all the time. It's not an easier path. It's not you don't get more vacation, you get less vacation. Right. So that was never a mystery to me. But I definitely never set out to start my own company. When I was growing up, I had internships and I worked at a lot of startups and I worked at JP Morgan for a little bit. You know, I never intentionally started my own business. But when the opportunity presented itself, I I wasn't afraid of it. It definitely seemed less intimidating because I knew that it was possible. I knew that my parents had done it. My grandmother did it. You know, my aunts and uncles have started their own businesses as well. And you went to a performing arts high school, right? I did. Which I love. And I can kind of tell you have that energy about you. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Did you think you were going to be like a Broadway star or what was your what was your aspirations with that? I definitely did when I was growing up. I always wanted to be an actress um, and I went to a performing arts high school. So it was always in shows, always dancing, always singing. But I think by sophomore year of high school, I realized that that might not be the the path I take. So I never auditioned for colleges. And that was when I started to get more interested in business and languages and marketing um, and exploring other interests. I do think that having a performing arts background probably helps if you're a CEO. Oh, definitely. Right? Definitely. I mean, even just leading a team feels like performance a lot of the time. When you have to inspire other people, mm-hmm. I think having a theater background is the best possible scenario. Um, And, you know, you do often hear fake it till you make it. And I started the company when I was 23. And I definitely had imposter syndrome. 
So I think being able to sort of get in the character of a businesswoman or in the character <laughs> of a CEO definitely helped me uh, get through that. Right. And even, you know, public speaking is something that really throws most people off. But for you, if you've been on stage for most of your life, it must feel much more comfortable. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, you're also a self-described workaholic. Mm-hmm. How did that play out post-graduation when you got your first job? I worked all the time. Um, I went to school in New York at NYU, and I was still living in New York, and I had a full-time job, but as as we all know, living in New York is not mm-hmm. super affordable. Um, and so I would work all day, babysit at night, um, take up odd jobs. You know, I was just, I was constantly working. And that's always been my ethos. All through college, I always had at least one internship in addition to a full course load. Um, So I'm I'm not afraid of working all the time and it kind of becomes addicting for me. So when I was starting Pack Up and Go, I was also working at a bar. So I was working all day on the company and then working at a bar all night and then waking up early to start working again. Oh my God, that's (laughs) that's intense. Yeah, New York is not, it's a tough city to be in, in your early 20s before you're really established because it's not a great place to be broke. Exactly. I mean, everyone has a nightmare story of their very first apartment in New York, you know, pests and tiny rooms and noisy neighbors, all of that stuff. My brother-in-law joked that my apartment here was was almost a fake apartment that people would use to make fun of New Yorkers. (laughs) The beds were built in lofted. The rooms were so small. (laughs) Did you have a window? No, not in my room. Not in my room. We didn't have space for a table or a full couch or anything, but, you know, it was a place to sleep and it was a way to afford living in New York. So we did it. Oh, what a life. (laughs) So at this point, I guess you're feeling you've got your hands in a lot of things and you're trying things out, but you're not entirely sure what you want to do with your life. Mm -hmm. When did the idea first come to you that you wanted to do this trip? I remember having a moment when I was working at my job and it was a startup and it was so fun and I loved my team and, you know, it was, it was a really fun office environment, but I just didn't really feel a connection to the product that I was selling or that we were working with. And I remember having a moment, and I think a lot of people who end up leaving New York can pinpoint the exact day when they decided they needed to leave New York. And I remember I was walking to work and somebody in front of me was walking so slowly And I just sort of snapped and I totally lost it. And I remember thinking, I need to leave the city because I am not a nice person anymore. And this is not who I am or who I want to be. And so that was the moment that I started thinking about ways that I could, you know, get a breath of fresh air. And because I went to school in New York and was living there, I didn't know where else I might want to live. I didn't really have another plan in mind. So I thought, okay, taking a summer off and taking time to travel uh, will be a great way to to give myself the space to really think about next steps. So that was the moment that I decided I I needed an escape. Had you done a lot of travel before this or was this your first big trip? I had. So I'm super, super lucky. I know I'm an incredibly fortunate person. My parents really valued traveling when we were little. So we took a bunch of international trips um, when I was young. And then I was a French double major. So I got to study abroad for a full year. So I lived in Paris in college and got to travel a lot then. Um, and, and I was always taking trips when I had an opportunity. And I've traveled solo as well, but this was my biggest solo trip. I love thinking about trips as 
kind of a palate cleanser between life's courses, hundred <laughs> percent, if you will. Like for myself, I I took a trip between finishing school and going to university, and then after university, before getting my first job, and then before moving to the states, I went traveling again. So, yeah, it seems like that was kind of maybe what you were doing at that time. Definitely. Did you have a plan for? I know you wanted to go to Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Did you have a set itinerary? I did not. So I had been living in New York and was broke, and I had no money for a plane ticket. And um, and I am Jewish, so I was able to go on a birthright trip. And I knew that that would at least pay for my plane ticket to get <laughs> to somewhere else in the world. So I went to Israel for a few weeks, which was a set plan. Mm-hmm. And my brother and I had talked about taking a bike trip. So those were the two set plans that we have. So after Israel, I flew up to Barcelona to meet my brother. We did a bike trip around Spain, and there was no plan after that. <laughs> I love that there's three different separate chapters to this particular trip. There's yeah. <laughs> the birthright, Israel, then the trip. You So you went cycling in the, the Pyrenees, right? Yes. <laughs> Had you done much training for that trip? Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds quite hard. It was so hard. Well, yeah. And in hindsight, I definitely would have done more than a couple of spin classes ahead of time. Um, but... But, you know, the course that we did was called Pyrenees to the Sea. Okay. So we thought, oh, great, you'll start in the mountains and then just go downhill. How hard can it be? We we can definitely do this. We're both in pretty good shape. We'll make it work. But what we didn't realize is we had to first get up into the mountains before going back down. So, you know, it was harder than, than we bargained for, but it was a really, really fun trip. And so when you ended up at the sea... Do you remember having a conversation with your brother where you were like, where am I going to go next? How did how did that next leap happen? That's a great question. I I don't remember exactly, to be honest. Mm-hmm. When I was studying abroad, I became friends with a, a girl from Poland. And so I knew she was in Warsaw. And I think I sent her a message and said, hey, are you home this week? Like, I would love to come to Warsaw and, and hang out in Poland. Can I stay with you? And she happened to be in town. So I, I'm pretty sure that was how it happened. But you know, it was really just sort of looking at what flights were available. And mm-hmm. I just had my backpack uh, and had the flexibility to go anywhere I wanted at any point. Seems like you are very much open to serendipity. Is that how you like to travel in general? I love that description. I am <laughs> always open to serendipity. I, you know, even today... I prefer to travel alone Mm. because I love the flexibility. If I want to take a nap in the middle of the day, I want to take a nap. Uh, (laughs) If, you know, I want to have an appetizer at six different restaurants instead of one meal at one place, I'm going to do that. And so I've always loved just being open to change and going with the flow and meeting new people and the flexibility that comes with being alone. I love it. So after Warsaw, how did the trip progress? You know, now that I'm thinking about it, I think a lot of the early decisions in my trip were also influenced from having just come from Israel. Mm. I am not a particularly religious person, and my family has been in the States, you know, long before World War II. But I do remember feeling a connection to Eastern Europe at mm. that point and and thinking, you know, it this is where my family's from. You know, it's been several generations, but it is cool to go back and, and trace those roots Um, And I was not doing a a Holocaust tour. I was not, that was definitely not the vision for it. But I ended up loving Poland. And I ended up spending almost three weeks in in Warsaw and Krakow and um, and going up to the coast and realizing, you know, it's summer. I should be by the coast. I want to to explore that. So 
after Warsaw, I went to Krakow, up to the coast, and then just kept going up the coast. And I kept meeting people who were going on a similar route and becoming friends with them and just seeing what they were doing next and uh, just sort of bopping along. Were you doing the hostel experience? Yes, always staying in hostels which I still think is the best way to travel. <laughs> really? I love it. I, I mean, I was also broke. So, yeah. so let's start with that. But I was by myself and I had no set plan. And it's such an amazing way to meet people. So I you know, was staying in the shared rooms with 12 or 16 people and just making friends with them and, and hanging out. It's definitely the best way to make friends. It's so everybody's a fast friend when you stay at a hostel. Yeah, very true. But it is strange not to have any personal space and be trying to sleep and hearing other people's alarms going off for their flight <laughs> at 5 a.m. And definitely just stumbling back from bars in the middle of the night. Yeah, there are some crazy stories, which I won't go into because they're not very appropriate, but <laughs> some crazy stories. I think Eastern Europe is, a, is an interesting one. I haven't done much travel there myself. I do feel like I see less of it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it can feel in the age of Instagram as if there is no uncharted territory left. You've seen absolutely everything. And you're also very aware that a lot of these scenes have been photoshopped or aren't quite Mm -hmm. what you envision them to be. Exactly. And so prior to this trip, I will be totally honest, I'd never even heard of Estonia. Like I didn't really know of it as a country. And as I was, you know, making my way up the Baltic coast, My brother was like, oh, one of my friends from work is actually from Estonia. I should put you guys in touch. And I told her the dates I was going to be there. And I said, yeah, I think I'll just go to to Tallinn, the capital. And she said, oh, no, you have to go to all these other towns. And there's also a folk festival happening while you're there. I have to put you in touch with my friends who are going to that. And I ended up just by this sort of third degree connection ended up in the the countryside of one of the most beautiful countries I've ever seen in my life. And from there, somebody told me about an event that was happening on an island off the coast. And there was a one euro ferry to get there. And, and I realized that when I stopped planning ahead and when I stopped looking to social media for inspiration on where to go next, these all these other doors just opened up for me. And they were experiences that I don't even know how I would Google to find them or what blog I would read to, to hear about those. But just being open to learning about new places all the time ended up being the best possible thing. It sounds like you also got really lucky with the amount of people who were generous and open to showing you around and telling you where to go next. That's really, really amazing. Do you think you would have had that same experience if you hadn't been on your own? That's a great question. I think I did get lucky, but I also think that People love helping other people. Mm -hmm. And I I think that being in the mindset of a traveler and of a tourist sort of opens you up to having those conversations. And when you're out of your comfort zone and you can admit, like, I don't I don't know what to do here. Where should I go? What should I do in Riga, Latvia? What is there to do in Vilnius, Lithuania? People are excited to share those those stories with you and they want to show you around their town. So I don't know that I would say I got lucky in getting all those recommendations. I think I was just open to having those conversations and gave people the opportunity to share their own experiences in the country that they're from. Again, it comes down to energy. If you're putting this energy out there of like this explorer energy, you're a new person and you're exploring a new place people see that and they want to engage with you more Mm -hmm. and they're excited that you're there and they want to show you the best of what their home has to offer. Yeah. And I do think that some of that comes from being a solo traveler where you can spend all your time alone walking around in a hotel room shut off from the city. 
or you can opt for a more social experience. But there have been also times when I've traveled with friends or with family or with significant others, and you you can still adopt that mentality and be open to talking to new people and, and explore, uh, but it is a little bit more of a necessity when you're traveling alone. That makes sense. And one of the places that you had never heard of, though it became your favorite city, was Riga, Latvia. How did you find your way there? Oh, I, my parents won't be happy to hear this, but I sort of hitchhiked there. (laughs) (laughs) I was on the coast in Poland and caught a bus up to Vilnius, Lithuania. And I was in Lithuania and, you know, there's sort of... People who have stayed in hostels know that there's sort of a route that people take in different regions. And so I'm sure there's a route where people go from Paris to Rome to Berlin. You know, I'm sure that's one route. But up in Eastern Europe, there's sort of a a straight line that people are taking from Poland to Lithuania to Latvia to Estonia. And sometimes then they'll go over to Finland, but there's sort of a a linear route. So I was in, uh, in Lithuania and wasn't sure how to get to Latvia. There was sort of a, a weird break in logistics there. And I remember somebody in my hostel saying, oh, I heard about this guy who's actually going to be driving to Latvia tomorrow. You should see if you can catch a ride. I heard about this guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, and at that point, I was like, you know what? Why not? I Another don't know traveler was... or local? Um, he was a traveler. And it actually turned out that, <laughs> that this guy and four of his best friends, I think they were from the Czech Republic. Um, every year they take a road trip together and they have one beat up old Subaru that was like on its last leg sort of taped together. Um, and every year they do a road trip in this car. And that summer, that was the trip they were taking. And it was these four huge guys who hardly spoke English. And they were like, you can squeeze in the back seat if you want. You're pretty small. (laughs) And I sat in the middle of the back seat of this car, squished between these four guys. They're all talking the whole time. I don't really know what they're talking about. And at one point, and it was fine. You know, I just, I just trusted that. Yeah. I told some friends what I was doing. So people knew. Um, and I just sort of trusted that they were going to get me there. They seemed, I just had a, a good feeling about it. But I remember at one point they're all talking and I can't understand what they're saying. And they pull off to the side of the road. And I think, this is it. Like, this is <laughs> this is the moment that I am abducted. And, and you know, mm-hmm. something terrible is going to happen. And they get out of the car and they just pulled out a full picnic that they had prepared. <laughs> and, they, and we were in the middle of nowhere, somewhere between Lithuania and Latvia oh. on the side of a highway. <laughs> and they just prepared this amazing meal. And they had a little stovetop and they, they cooked me like a three course meal. And then we oh. got back in the car and we kept driving and they dropped me off at the hostel um, and it ended up being a really fun car ride. <laughs> I love that story. I had um, Jessica Nabongo on recently, who is the first black woman to visit every country in the world. Mm-hmm. And she gets asked all the time about safety because she's also a real solo traveler. Mm-hmm. And she was just saying that she's she's never really had any issues. And she, she said that most people, are, nearly everyone is a good person. If you consider yourself to be a good person, why would you assume that other people are not good people just because you don't know them yet? Exactly. And you know, I, I've lived in big cities and so I feel like I have a good, mm-hmm. a good sense street of, savvy. I'm street savvy. You know, <laughs> I can tell if something is going to be a really dangerous situation and, and I can sort of feel that out. So, but I think it's always important to tell one person where you're going just so somebody knows. Agreed. And so when you arrived in Riga, what was it that you loved so much about the city? I had never heard of it before. Um, You know, weeks before that, I just knew nothing about it. And my family is Latvian historically, but I have no 
but I have no connection to it as a country. Did you know uh, that before you arrived? I did. Yeah. I did. But, you know, when you're an Eastern European Jew, it's a sort of, it's a thing. <laughs> and and you, you're aware of it. But again, my family's not lived there for generations. So there was no personal connection to it. And I think that a lot of what I knew about Eastern Europe was just sort of post-World War II and everything I imagined being sort of gray and drab. And you arrive and there is this beautiful canal running through downtown and beautiful architecture and this amazing art scene. And it just totally took me by surprise. It was totally different. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. <laughs> and and it really was just a beautiful city. And I was staying right in the heart of the historic district and and walking around all the the neighborhoods where residents live and was really taken aback by it. I'm so interested in people returning to their ancestral homelands Mm -hmm. and having that connection to the place. Do you think that that endeared you to Latvia more because you knew that there was that connection in your personal history? Maybe, you know, we are, my family's also Lithuanian and Hungarian Mm -hmm. and I don't think I was as taken with, with the cities there. So I think that had I done more research on my family's history in those specific cities, maybe I could have dug into that more. But it really, again, it was really not a, uh, <laughs> you know, finding my, my Judaism or my heritage. There. Right. It was more of a just personal exploration trip and and social. And I know when you were there, you had an unexpected call from your best friend and roommate in New York. Yes. I did. Had some surprising news <laughs> that wasn't entirely welcome. Exactly. So I had been living with my best friend in New York all through college, and she and I shared that weird apartment with a built-in lofted beds. <laughs> um, and and we were really inseparable. And we had been in this building for so long that we weren't exactly sure when our lease ended. And so this whole time I had been thinking, you know, maybe. Maybe I just needed a change in New York. Maybe I just needed a career change. Or maybe I do need to go somewhere else. But I really wasn't sure. And I thought that my lease ended in October or at some point in the fall. So I thought, great, I'll take my, the summer to travel. And I'll go back to New York, go back to my apartment and sort of reevaluate. And it was, <laughs> I was in Riga, Latvia, falling in love with the city, having this amazing trip. and And I... I got a call from my best friend and she said, hey, I need to talk to you tonight. We need to decide whether we're renewing our lease by tomorrow. And I had no idea this was coming and she was surprised too. And I just looked around and and thought, I don't think I can go back to New York. I think I've taken so many steps forward on this trip. I've just met so many amazing people. I'm in the city that I knew nothing about that I suddenly love. I can't just go back to New York. And if I love Riga this much, there are going to be other cities that I love this much too. And if I stay in New York, I'm never going to have the chance to find them. And so I was sitting in the lobby of this hostel, having this conversation with my best friend, crying, just totally panicking because I, I realized that that was the moment where I was just sort of in free fall. And I had nowhere to go, nowhere to go back to, and was just totally on my own. And I had quit my job and I didn't know what I wanted to do next. And I was just, I was just existing. And that was a really scary moment for me. And, you know, I had no money, no plan and no place grounding me. <laughs> but on the flip side of that, I think 
when you definitively close one door, another door opens, right? You created a space in your life. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know if it was the next day, but like shortly afterwards, you met these two girls. Yes who were also traveling and they gave you the idea that would become pack up and go. It's true. But I will add one anecdote before that. Okay. So I, in the moment that I broke up with New York, Mm -hmm. I went to sleep and was just heartbroken and just feeling totally lost. And the next morning I went to a cafe nearby and then I got sick. And I realized I, I've never in my life had it before. I got food poisoning. Oh, and I was in a hostel. In a hostel. <laughs> and I was like, this is karma for leaving New York. This is a sign. I, I shouldn't do it. And um, and there was a moment where the I went to urgent care just to get something to settle my stomach. And they were like, oh, it actually might be a burst appendix. So I'm rushed to the hospital in Riga, Latvia. And I, you know, I don't know anyone there. And I'm sort of panicking from this decision I just made about New York. My appendix might burst. I'm like alone. And I, I call my parents. And I'm like, just so you know, I'm in the hospital. I might have to get surgery. Oh my and my mom is like, where is Riga Latvia? <laughs> where are you? <laughs> Turns out my appendix did not burst. I'm released from the hospital. I go back to my hostel and I'm like, I just need to have a really low key night. I am like emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted. And I walk back in and I'm sitting in the lobby and that is when I met two Dutch girls um, who were in Riga, Latvia on a surprise vacation. And it was all within this 24-hour period that my life just sort of flipped around. It's <laughs> it was, crazy how fast that happened. It was very fast. It was a really tumultuous day. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, you know, I was so surprised that other people were there. And so everyone who was in my hostel, I was asking what brought them there, why they chose to go to Riga. And these two sisters said, yeah, we're actually here on a surprise vacation. There's this company that's based in Amsterdam that plans these trips and you don't know where you're going and you go all around Europe. And I just said, one second. And I walked to the computer in the lobby of this hostel and I did a quick Google search to see if it existed in the United States. And it didn't. And I immediately wrote my family an email and I said, I'm moving back to Pittsburgh and I'm going to start a surprise travel agency. And my mom was like, are you in the hospital? Like, where, where are you? Were you sick a minute ago? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were, they were equally confused. And that was it. And that was the moment that I decided to start Pack Up and Go. And I never really looked back. It's interesting because a lot of business owners I've had on this podcast have said the same thing, that when they hit on an idea that felt so right, not only mm-hmm. right because the idea was a good one, but also they felt innately that they were the person to do it. Mm-hmm you know, that it just flowed effortlessly and they they had a deep sense, an innate sense of knowing. Mm-hmm. So how did you then act on that sense of knowing? And it, it definitely was sort of an innate sense of knowing. And I don't know why I thought I was qualified to do this. And I've never worked in the travel industry. <laughs> and you were 23. I was 23. <laughs> At that point, I was still 22. Oh, wow. um, and I have never started a business, but I just decided that I would do it, that I would become the person who was qualified to do this. And it was amazing. And I remember that night, actually, later that night, I have already in my, within 10 minutes worked out all the logistics and I've decided, great, we'll charge a service fee. I'm sure there are other ways travel agents make money. That's the plan. And, um, and somebody else in the hostel was a, a consultant who was also sort of in between chapters and was taking time off before getting his MBA. And I said, oh, you're a consultant? Great. Let me pitch this to you. And, and I, I gave him my brand new pitch. Um, and he said, eh, 
I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it's going to work. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I am too excited about this. Idea. You are mistaken. You so. are wrong. You are horribly wrong. <laughs> um, and it was great because then I still had six or eight weeks left on this trip before I was flying back. And I was talking to travelers and I had nothing to do but to sit around in a cafe mm. and explore and write down ideas in a notebook as they came to me and talk to people Case who were- studies galore. Exactly, exactly. And and it was great. And I was, um, you know, FaceTiming with some of my mentors back in the States and talking to my siblings about it and just getting really excited about it. Um, it was fun. And did your parents step in with their advice from all those years of operating small businesses? They were on board. Yeah. They, you know, they were like, all right, well, travel agencies seem to be on the decline, but yeah, <laughs> give it a shot. <laughs> and, you know, the thing was, I was 23. I had just turned 23 while I was on this trip. And the stakes just felt so low. I, this was, you know, a couple years after the, um, after Obamacare. And so I was able to still be on my parents' health care for a few more years. So I had health care. I could move back in with my parents. And I just felt like if it doesn't work, then I'll get another job. You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? The best case scenario is that the company takes off and I do this for a while. The worst case scenario is it doesn't work and I haven't really invested any money and I have a cool experience and then I apply for another job. I love it. What a couple of weeks. You've purged your, literally purged your old life and then started a new one. Exactly. So how did you begin to actually get it off the ground and find your first clients? Well, before you can even get clients, you have to go through the really tedious process of choosing a company name. Mm. And this, I'm sure, is something that all entrepreneurs go through. It was it was so hard. And my sister was actually starting a company at the same time, also in Pittsburgh. And so my whole family was sitting there constantly brainstorming name ideas for both of us. Everybody was <laughs> constantly throwing out ideas. And then we would like quickly see if it was available and sometimes it was a trademark name. Sometimes there was a blog that hasn't been used in years that already had the URL. And I wanted to, to think of a name that was exciting and re travel related, but wasn't too literal. And it was really hard. It took a while. And when I stumbled upon Pack Up and Go um, and the name was available, I jumped on it. Um, so after that, then I was ready to start building out the company and thinking about branding and starting to research trips. And so my best friend, who I had been living with in New York, generously let me plan a vacation for her and her boyfriend. So that was my first practice trip. Um, and then I convinced my, my parents to let me plan a trip for our family. Um, and so that was my second practice trip. And then, you know, when I was starting the company, I was also working at a bar near my house and a local brewery owner was talking with me one night, we were chatting and I told him about the idea and he said, oh, I'd love to go on a trip. So that was my third practice trip. So I sort of had these, a couple of practice trips, but they were all people who were tangentially connected to me. It sounds like you're a real leap and the net will appear kind of a person. 100%. <laughs> How, if for people who, maybe they have a business idea, maybe they're thinking about taking their own palate cleansing trip. Mm -hmm but they're feeling as if they can't do it right now. They're feeling the fear. Mm -hmm. How would you advise them to push past it and just go for it? I would encourage them to get out a piece of paper and a pencil and write down 
all of the worst case scenarios. Like really think about all the terrible things that can happen because <laughs> I'm sure that that list is way shorter <laughs> than they think. And, and then I would encourage them to just write down the reasons why they want to travel and to think about all the things that they have to gain from giving themselves the space to explore a new place. I know you talked a lot about the fact that Pack Up and Go, just the concept just begs to be shared. Mm -hmm. Has it grown very organically because of that fact? I think so. So we're still a bootstrap business. Mm -hmm. I haven't raised any money. We're now a team of 13 full time. um, And we've just seen year over year growth. And so the company that existed in Europe, um, who is still in operation in Europe, um, they have an app and they they have a, a big tech team. And they, the travelers arrive at the airport and they type in a code in their app. And that's where they discover how they discover where they're going, which I think is very cool. I don't have any money for that. So, <laughs> so when I was starting Pack Up and Go, I thought, all right, I don't want to raise money yet before I see if this thing even works. I don't want to become beholden to investors before I, before I've tested out this concept. So what is the lowest tech version of that really cool app that I can do? Oh, I have a printer. I guess I'll just write out where somebody's going and mail it in an envelope and tell them, you know, keep it sealed until the day you depart. And I know some people are going to peek ahead of time, but it's still a surprise. And I never thought that that would become anything in terms of marketing. I thought this was just the cheapest possible solution to not having money to build an app. And uh, when our first travelers departed, the, the first trip was a solo traveler, which I love, a solo woman. And it was very right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And she got back from her trip and she sent me a picture of her holding up her sign where she said, you're going to Washington, D.C. And I thought, oh, what a fun picture. I'll share that on social media. And to this day, almost every single trip sends us a picture of them holding up that same sign. And so now we we are working on some tech development, but I never want to lose that physical touch point. And I, I know that our travelers love having that moment where they're holding in their hands sort of their destiny for their their getaway. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for the the tactile quality of a printed product. That's why people still love books mm-hmm. and magazines and all of that stuff. There's something romantic and lovely about it. Definitely. And I think so much about traveling is getting in touch with your senses and it's seeing yes. and hearing and smelling and eating and touching new things. And, and I think that kind of harkens back to it. Oh, I like that connection. <laughs> What's the most special thing about the service Pack Up and Go is offering, in your opinion? I think there are a lot of special things that we offer. I think the joy of surprise and and just sort of embracing the unknown is a really special thing that we don't have in our everyday lives. A lot of our travelers say the only time we've both been surprised as a couple is when our child was born and we found out their gender. You know, I think that there's just not a lot of surprise and wonder and excitement built into our day-to-day lives as Americans. And I think it's really special to be able to give people something to look forward to and something that's as lighthearted as a quick weekend getaway where the stakes are very low and you have everything to gain from just going to a new place and having an open mind. Mm -hmm. I was telling you before we started recording, I'm usually the planner in my relationship. So I'm actually going on a pack up and go trip. Very excited. And it's been so nice not to have to deal with the stress of organizing it all. Even though I also love that part of the trip, the planning part, 
But I have to say that as the trip gets nearer, I start to get quite stressed. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to be relaxing once I'm on vacation. But right now I'm thinking about how am I going to get finished my work and pack everything and get us to the airport in time and who's going to look after my dog, all of those things. Exactly. It feels like a few, you know, a lot less planning and just more relaxation. Definitely. And I've heard stats that where it takes an average person 15 to 25 hours to plan a quick weekend getaway. It's so much time. Mm -hmm. And so many people say, you know, I need a vacation for my vacation. I was so stressed out planning it. I have so many (laughs) details to coordinate. And so being able to just genuinely enjoy it and take a step back, I think is really a luxury. What is the most popular destination for pack up and go travelers? Um, What has that taught you about the ingredients of a really amazing trip? Oh, that's a great question. So all of our trips are domestic, so all within the United States, and most of our trips do fly to their destination. So we are inherently sort of bound by by airline routes and logistics. So um, our top destinations, I will say, we also stay away from large cities. So we don't like to send travelers to New York or Las Vegas or Los Angeles because those are trips that you will take on your own. You can plan that yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of our travelers go to Chicago or Denver or Philadelphia or Seattle Uh, San Francisco, Boston, really all over. But then we also send travelers to smaller cities like Charleston or upstate New York or Portland, Maine. So we love sort of building out our repertoire of of cities that you're aware exist, but you might not think of as a leisure destination. But so many cities have so much to offer. They have these amazing museums and like quirky sites to see and great restaurants and bars and, and a unique culture. So I think it's really fun to highlight that. And again, it goes back to the uncharted territory thing. If you know New York inside out, or you know LA inside out, you don't necessarily want to do a weekend there. It's, it's more exciting to go somewhere you've never been mm-hmm. where you have no expectations and therefore the trip can exceed, can easily exceed them. Exactly. <laughs> and I will say, I think this is always a funny pack a bingo fact. Philadelphia has our highest ratings for post-trip surveys across the board. And, you know, I'm based in Pittsburgh and there's a big rivalry between the (laughs) the Pennsylvania cities. And people always say, really, Philly gets the highest ratings? And I say, Mm -hmm. yeah, because I think when when travelers open their envelope and they see you're going to Philadelphia, they might feel a little disappointment initially. Not New Orleans. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And and so there might be a little bit of disappointment initially. And then they land and they are staying right in Rittenhouse Square and there's the beautiful architecture, and it's so walkable, and it feels so much like Boston or New York, but a little bit more livable, a little bit more down to earth. And I think it really, Pack Up and Go gives Philadelphia the chance to surprise and delight visitors. Oh, I love that. When you're traveling, where do you like to go? All over. I love going to places that are walkable. I love exploring cities by foot. I They're really, this is a bad answer perhaps, but I don't think there's been a city that I haven't enjoyed visiting in a really long time. Oh, that's a good answer. I like that. <laughs> well, Lillian, it's been delightful having you. Um, can you just tell people where they can find you on the internet? Yes. Our website is packupgo.com. We are on social media at packupgo underscore travel. Awesome. And before you go... I'd love to do a few quick fire questions with you. Perfect. (laughs) Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) What's the one thing every person should experience in their lifetime? A surprise vacation. Ah, (laughs) nice little plug. (laughs) A solo vacation is what I'll actually say. (laughs) 
If you could teleport anywhere just for the day, where would you go and what would you do? I would go to Hawaii and I would go to Honolulu where you can hike, you can be on the beach and you can also do a lot of cultural things. There's a lot of great museums there. What's the one thing you never, ever travel without? Comfortable shoes. Any particular brand you're loyal to? Um, right now I'm wearing Allbirds a lot. Oh, I love my Allbirds. I'm curious about those. They're washable. It's great. Yeah. Okay. We'll give them a go. Which destinations are you dying to visit this year? Alaska and South Dakota. Oh, you knew you knew exactly. How oh, yeah. I'm on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> I have been dying to go to South Dakota. It's just it's a part of the country that I feel like I know nothing. I about. know nothing about South Dakota. I'm so curious. And I've heard amazing things. Mm-hmm. And there's the Badlands there, which look incredible. I yeah, that's half of my list. And talk to me about Alaska. The same thing. I just can't imagine the geography of it. And I love being active. I love being outdoors. And it just it's so different from Pennsylvania. And I would love to see it. It does look stunning. Um, Airbnb or hotel? Hostel. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think they serve very different purposes. They do. I'm still fascinated by your love for hostels, though. Tell me more. I just love meeting new people, especially when I travel. Mm -hmm. I will admit that I have not stayed in many hostels in the United States, though I know there are a lot of great ones. But I love meeting new people. And to me... A hotel or an Airbnb or a hostel is just a place to sleep. Um, I would rather be out and about when I'm on vacation. Is there a book, a podcast, a movie or a show, kind of a piece of content that you would recommend people download for their next long journey? If you are interested in entrepreneurship, I would listen to How I Built This. I love it so much. If you are interested in travel, I would recommend The Art of Travel. That's a podcast as well? It's a book. It's a book. Oh. Sorry. Um, it's a, a really whimsical book, and I'm blanking on the author's name right now. But What's it about? It is it's just sort of looking at why people travel hmm. and, and what is it about the journey and, and just that experience that is so universal and written about so frequently and, and just getting back to the human nature of it. Any top tips for travel deals? Be open. Um, if you have flexible dates, I would say look at that. Um, look into different flight routes. And I would say find as many local resources as possible when you are figuring out what to do within a destination. Um, there are a lot of great blogs and resources, but I would say stay away from Yelp and TripAdvisor and try to go more local. And if you can get a personal recommendation, always take that. Favorite city and why? My favorite city. I really, really love Savannah, Georgia. I was really surprised by it. I also love Portland, Maine. Again, I love walkable, smaller cities that are by the water, apparently. (laughs) Um, And what's a must do in Savannah? I would take an afternoon and bring a book and sit in one of the beautiful squares. The whole city is situated around all of these, these little squares that take up a city block and they are really, really lovely. And they have the Spanish moss hanging over them. I was going to say, I'm picturing Spanish moss. Yes, you are picturing it correctly. Um, And I would say just giving yourself time to to sit in a square and relax and take in the environment. That sounds just dreamy. (laughs) Um, Lillian, thank you so much. I'm so excited for my pack up and go trip. Thank you. I'm excited for your pack up and go trip as well. More content to follow. Spring, Pack Up and Go is launching longer trips, 
up to 10 days in fact, which is great news if you're dreaming of taking a longer, more in-depth vacation. For more information, visit the website packupgo.com or follow them on Instagram at packupgo underscore travel. Before you go, I want to introduce you to our on-staff travel advisor, Chelsea Martin. She's an affiliate of Embark and Virtuoso, and she's also a travel influencer in her own right. You can find her on Instagram at Passport to Friday. In this segment of the show, which I like to call Ask a Travel Advisor, Chelsea and I spend a couple of minutes discussing the ins and outs of her work. If you're curious about the kinds of perks she can score for your next trip, pay close attention. I'll also pick her brain on travel trends, tricks, and tips. Chelsea has been everywhere and knows everything about travel. Okay, what do you wish more people knew about booking through a travel advisor? I think that people have the misconception that you need to use a travel advisor just for the big bucket list trips, but really we're here to help for all different types of trips. So whether or not that's a family vacation to the Caribbean or a three-day weekend trip away somewhere closer to home, we really can help with a wide variety of trips. I also really like the fact that you know, maybe it's a shorter trip. And yeah, because I think if you have only, if you have a short amount of time, then you want to make sure you use your time effectively. Yes, exactly. And that's the thing too, is that we can put together those well-curated trips of these are the restaurants to go to. These are, I mean, we have tour guides in cities all across the world that we can add really unique value to your trip, different cultural experiences, um, just really it can we can make even the smallest three-day trip a really unique experience um what's your favorite warm weather spot in the U.S. so I've actually I've grown up going to Hawaii every summer since I was a little girl and while I'm a little biased in that way I really think it's the most unique warm weather spot in the U.S. because it offers just a completely different vibe from anywhere else in the U.S. and brings together the Polynesian culture and also every island in Hawaii is so different from the next. So you can go back multiple times and have a different experience every time, whether or not you're going to Kauai or Hawaii or Oahu, Maui, Lanai. They're all just completely different. And, Do you have a favorite island? Uh, Kauai for me, which is the Garden Isle. Yeah, I've heard amazing things. Yes. Beautiful landscape. Crazy. Is there an ideal time window to buy an international flight if you want to get a good deal? I would say three to six months is the sweet spot, especially if you're planning a big trip and you don't want to have to worry about things as much. That's a good time period for when you can get the best value, but then also secure good seats and it's not going to sell out. With that being said, I have personally found quite a few flights that are good value even 21 days out. So don't feel like you can't book that international trip because you missed that window. Definitely still monitor it or we can help you look into that. Name one really exceptional or memorable experience that you've had personally while traveling. So this past December, I went gorilla trekking in Rwanda, which to me was a bucket list item that I never thought I'd actually be able to do. And it was incredibly memorable because in the hour that you have spent with the gorillas, you see how similar you are because, mm -hmm. and just 
I don't know, it's it's a very humbling experience, but also it's so interesting to see them interact and how they interact with you and each other and just I don't know, it's it's a really grounding experience as well, but I don't think every memorable experience has to be this crazy kind of like in your mind unattainable thing. So, I even just have a great memory of last summer a Sunday spent in Charleston with my best friends. Like we just went around the city um, eating and drinking and sightseeing. And it honestly will go down as one of my favorite days ever. And it was something that was a lot closer to home. And so I don't think always the big, mem- like the memorable experience have to be these big, mm-hmm. crazy things. I think as long as you're with great people and a great destination and you're doing things that you love, you can create some of your most memorable days. Mm-hmm. It's all about good company. Yeah. Any tips for more effective packing? So one thing that I've implemented within the past couple of years is that I do an extremely detailed packing list before I go. So even if it's a two day trip, I'll put down the exact outfits that I envision myself seeing like wearing those days. And it's helped me so much to not overpack because instead of just being like, oh, I like this and this and this and throwing it all in a bag, actually visualizing like, oh, okay, I would maybe wear this this day because we're going sightseeing. But then I could also repurpose that outfit to wear at night with like different shoes or whatnot. So you're really being mindful while you're packing. Also, I love my packing cubes. Um, I think those are honestly like any kind of organizational things you can find (laughs) on Amazon have been game changer for me. And then travel size products. Um, I used to travel with my largest beauty products and getting down to the travel size really does make a difference. You do the refill of bottles? Yes, I do. That's essential. Yeah. You also love Rent the Runway, right? And I do love Rent the Runway. Which I think is actually really good if you're traveling a lot. Yeah. So I've been doing it for, gosh, three or four years now. And I love it because instead of wearing the same thing on, like, how many tropical vacations I can wear the same dress, it really diversifies your wardrobe. Hashtag not a sponsor. (laughs) Not at all. If there's a burning question you'd like answered on Ask a Travel Advisor, you can send us a note on Instagram at full underscore time underscore travel. Alternatively, you can write to Chelsea directly at chelsea at fttadvisor.com. That's chelsea at fttadvisor.com. <laughs>